This is Plant-Based Briefing, our Starches Good or Bad, Part 1, by Ocean Robbins at foodrevolution.org. And I'm Marian Erickson. This is the Plant-Based Podcast, where I curate and narrate, with permission, articles on the various reasons to live a plant-based and vegan lifestyle. And I try to keep each episode to about 10 minutes or less each weekday. And today's is longer than that, so it's a two-parter. I'm reading part one today and then tune back in tomorrow for the second half. And now let's get to today's plant-based briefing. Are starches good or bad? Part one by Ocean Robbins at foodrevolution.org. Summary. When someone mentions starchy foods, they typically don't mean it in a good way. But there are several types of starches and not all of them are unhealthy. Here's what you need to know about starch, which foods contain it, and how to tell if they're healthy or unhealthy. You know those giant pleated collars that European nobles wore in the 15th and 16th centuries? They're called ruffs, which is kind of fitting since they look a bit like cones worn by dogs who can't stop chewing on itchy spots. Some ruffs were so wide that their wearers had to use special extra-long utensils to get food into their mouths. The reason ruffs were popular, in addition to the fact that they made wearers assume a neck-and-head position that proclaimed their nobility, was that they were really time-consuming and expensive to maintain, and the key ingredient in keeping them from folding or drooping was starch. These days, starch is still used to stiffen collars, though at much less extreme levels. It's also an important ingredient in industrial production, included in products like adhesives and paper. The single biggest role for starch in the modern world, though? It's what we eat. What comes to mind when you hear the word starches or starchy foods? For most people, it's probably processed food, especially bread products like dinner rolls, crackers, and cookies. But there are also many whole, unprocessed foods that are high in starch—rice, corn, quinoa, and potatoes, for example. In fact, most traditional human diets have been centered around starches. While it's true that cookies and quinoa both contain starch, they don't affect the body in the same way. If your idea of starches is only based on processed grains or fried potatoes, you may be surprised to learn that some starches are among the healthiest foods you can eat. In fact, some types of starch offer gut health benefits that can't be achieved with any other food, making them important foods for a healthy life. So what are starches exactly? Which type of starches are healthy and unhealthy? And how can you add more of the good ones to your diet? What are starches? Three types of carbohydrates are found in nature, sugar, fiber, and starches. This means that all starches are carbohydrates, but not all carbohydrates are starches. Sugar, for example, is a simple carbohydrate, while both fiber and starches are complex carbohydrates. That doesn't mean that all starches act like complex carbohydrates once we subject them to processing, though. Most cookies, white bread, and crackers, for example, typically get digested as rapidly and spike glucose just as dramatically as simple carbohydrates like table sugar. But let's back up and talk about starches as they appear in the plants that contain them. Fun fact, you can't get starch from eating an animal unless you eat the undigested plant matter in that animal's digestive system, which sounds pretty gross to me. These starches are natural compounds composed of long, branching chains of glucose, a sugar and the primary source of energy for living cells. They're produced in plants to serve as an energy source, helping plants survive when the climate is cold or dry. Starches are also an energy source for humans and other animals who then consume these plants further up the food chain. When starches are digested, they're broken down into glucose molecules with the help of digestive enzymes called amylases. Here's a joke I've been waiting my whole life to share. What's the name of the enzyme in saliva that breaks down starch? I don't know, but it's on the tip of my tongue. 
Different types of plants contain varying amounts of starch. For instance, plants that can photosynthesize easily thanks to a large leafy surface area and many hours of full sun tend to have less starch than plants that have to save energy for literal and figurative rainy days. Types of starches. Starches are made up of two kinds of molecule, amylose and amylopectin, which connect together to form starch granules. These molecules exhibit different characteristics that determine the digestibility of the starches that contain them. There are three types of starches categorized by their digestibility. Starch-containing foods typically include all three types in varying amounts. One of the molecules, amylopectin, turns into rapidly digestible starch, or RDS. The other, amylose, forms slowly digestible starch, SDS, and resistant starch, RS. Slowly digestible starch, SDS. Around 20 to 30% of the starch in plant foods is amylose. Amylose is a straight-chain molecule that we digest and absorb slowly, which is why, surprise, it's called a slowly digestible starch, or SDS. It can help keep your blood sugar balanced because it does not cause a large spike in blood sugar levels and is digested slowly throughout the entire length of your small intestine. This process helps provide sustained release of glucose with a low initial rise in blood sugar levels followed by a slow and prolonged release over the course of two hours or so of insulin. Starchy foods high in amylose rank low on the glycemic index since they typically trigger a balanced energy release associated with good metabolic health. You can think of low glycemic metabolism like an experienced driver keeping a steady foot on the accelerator pedal versus a new driver who pushes too hard so the vehicle lurches forward as it accelerates and who may then need to apply the brakes to keep from speeding. Overall, eating SDS foods can help minimize both hyperglycemia after eating and any subsequent hypoglycemic drop. Health Effects of SDS As such, this type of starch may be helpful in controlling and preventing hyperglycemia-related diseases including diabetes, obesity, and heart disease, or metabolic syndromes. High SDS foods may also support heart health by improving levels of HDL good cholesterol, particularly in women. They've also been shown to help reduce serum total cholesterol, LDL bad cholesterol, and free fatty acids in the bloodstream, all of which can increase your risk for heart disease at high levels. In one study, researchers found that five weeks of a low-GI, high-SDS diet helped improve blood fat levels, reduce total fat mass, and increase lean body mass, which is to say, study participants grew more muscle and lost body fat. Lastly, eating more SDS may promote fat oxidation at the expense of carbohydrate oxidation. In other words, it may help you lose body fat by moving fat to the top of the which fuel shall we burn next list. High amylose foods include legumes, nuts, and seeds. Rapidly digestible starch, RDS. Approximately 70 to 80% of the natural starch found in plants is amylopectin, which we tend to digest rapidly. In foods that are very high in rapidly digestible starch, RDS, the glucose units are easily digested when you eat them, which can lead to a quick spike in blood sugar, quickly followed by a hunger-producing drop in blood sugar, a phenomenon known as hypoglycemia. RDS is usually absorbed in your upper small intestine within about 30 minutes. The swift rise and fall in blood sugar levels comes about as your pancreas secretes insulin into your bloodstream to reduce glucose levels as quickly as possible. This large fluctuation in blood glucose generates oxidative stress in the body that can lead to cell, tissue, and organ damage. That inflammation and stress may lead to chronic disease formation, so basically the opposite of the positive effects seen in SDS. These effects over time are particularly dangerous for people with insulin resistance and diabetes. While SDS is associated with lower GI foods, RDS is associated with high GI foods, a category consisting largely of highly processed or simple carbohydrates. 
For more on the glycemic index, we have an article linked here. You're more likely to find RDS in foods like white breads, breakfast cereals, and commercial baked goods, as well as boiled white rice and processed potato products like instant potatoes and potato chips. Health Effects of RDS Long-term consumption of a high RDS diet can lead to weight gain or obesity. Making matters worse, RDS doesn't always ride alone. When foods high in RDS are cooked at high temperatures, they can form acrylamide, which is a carcinogen. Some foods that contain higher levels of acrylamide include french fries, potato chips, and processed foods made from grains, such as breakfast foods and cookies. My intention here isn't to demonize amylopectin, which after all is naturally found in all starchy foods. It is digested more quickly than amylose, but if it's part of a food that's also rich in amylose, or if it's paired with other high-fiber and high-amylose plant foods, your body should be able to absorb it happily without experiencing a negative impact on blood sugar and inflammation. And RDS is definitely good for at least one thing. Because you typically experience a glucose spike after eating high RDS foods, they can be useful for fueling athletic performance. Endurance athletes generally agree that high RDS foods are useful to keep muscles working during an event or grueling training session, even if they avoid those cookies, PBJ sandwiches, and energy bars the rest of the time. Most research, however, still prioritizes quantity of carbohydrate over type of carbohydrate when it comes to fueling and recovering from exercise. You just listened to Are Starches Good or Bad? Part 1 by Ocean Robbins at foodrevolution.org. And I'm your host, Marian Erickson. Tune in tomorrow for the second half of this article, where you'll hear about resistant starch and four reasons why you should eat it, how to cook it, how much you need, and ways to get more of it. So please share this episode with anyone who might benefit, and thanks for listening.